0: On today's episode, I am super excited to share three lessons that I have learned as I continue on my journey of developing cultural competence, centering equity, and facilitating liberatory learning spaces. It ain't always pretty, but you know I believe in the power of sharing stories to build bridges of empathy and connect us person to person. You are not gonna wanna miss these lessons, so let's jump into the intro. Hey, hey, welcome to the Culture-Centered Classroom podcast. A space for educators looking to step into their power by creating a classroom environment and lessons that affirm, welcome, and celebrate all their students through instruction. I'm your host, Jocelyn Hubbard, an educator, teacher coach, wife, mother to five children, and your partner on this journey of creating culture centered classrooms. Let's jump into the episode. Brene Brown said, the middle is messy, but it's also where all the magic happens, all the tension that creates goodness and learning. Deciding to intentionally be on a journey of developing cultural competency and centering educational equity and facilitating liberatory learning spaces, (laughs) oh, it's going to have several messy middles, my friend. Now, you may not want to hear this, you may not love hearing this, but one thing I always strive to be is honest. The reason there are several messy middles is because you are on a journey in life, not just in education. This life journey is going to throw several perspective curveballs your way. With each curveball, you will need to do some reflection and processing. You're going to need to learn a little bit about a little bit. And then you will have to decide on some action steps to take that will propel you forward. Like Brene says in that quote, and what I can tell you from my own experience is that there is so much magic in this messy season. Really and truly, I have gotten some of my most exciting and innovative ideas during this season because this is where there is an opportunity for trial and error. This is when you can engage in discovery and innovation and when you can question. It's a time when it is okay to fail forward if you allow yourself to. So in this episode, I wanna share three lessons I have learned as I continue to navigate the messy middles of my cultural competency, equity, and learning liberation journey, as well as insights that I've gained as I coach teachers, instructional coaches, and leaders. The very first lesson is that I need to center joy. This is not cliche or overstated, it is just true. When I think back on the 17 years that I've been in education so far, and I ask myself, why am I still in this field? Like, Why am I still in the game? Honestly, the answer is joy, plain and simple. Some educators like to say that it's the students, but for me, it's joy, because joy is lasting and it's sustainable. I might not always be happy, but I have a joy that cannot be taken. As a classroom teacher, at different times, my students did and still do bring me joy. My colleagues brought me joy. My principals brought me joy. The community that I was a part of, that I was surrounded by, brought me joy. But the reality is, I'm not in the classroom anymore. So it can't just be the students that keep me coming back. As a culture and equity coach, it brings me joy to partner with teachers who are fired up about shifting the narrative and showing their students love and respect and success because they are willing to reimagine lessons. I am filled with joy when I am facilitating a workshop for school leaders across an entire district, and the energy and the synergy around equity conversations is palpable. So palpable that during breaks, people are ordering books for book studies, or they're pulling me to the side to ask about workshops for their teachers, or wondering about coaching for themselves. Joy, joy, joy. Joy is sustainable. Joy is ongoing. Joy is lasting. And on my toughest days, the days when every coaching session seems to be filled with conversations of acts of racism at recess or book banning or fear of saying something at a staff meeting because it might lead to an administrative suspension on those days. I have to dig deep into my reservoir of joy. I pull up a song and I dance or I pull up Facebook and I check a former student's post where they're sharing about a business they just started or a degree that they've earned or a new baby that's been added to their family. Sometimes I go to exit surveys from workshops I've led and I read the testimonials people have written about the impact my training has had on them and those that they are connected to. Just a couple months ago, I was facilitating a wrap up coaching session for a teacher that I've coached this past year, and he said, Jocelyn, if you had asked me at this very same time last year how I was feeling, the answer would have been totally different. This year, working with you, I have hope. I am hopeful about the progress we've made at my school. I am hopeful about the conversations that have been started with my colleagues. I am hopeful about next school year. Oh my gosh! That is joy, and I seriously almost cried when he shared that with me. Hope and joy are connected. One final thing that made it so evident to me that I had to center joy as a part of my equity journey, but in particular during this messy middle phase is when I was reading through Unearthing Joy by Dr. Goldie Muhammad, because I am preparing to interview her for the podcast. (laughs) I know, spoiler alert. In her book, she shares why she added the pursuit of joy as essential in the lesson planning process. She says on page 17 that the pursuit of joy is helping students to uplift beauty, aesthetics, truth, ease, wonder, wellness, solutions to the problems of this world, and personal fulfillment. Joy is the ultimate goal of teaching and learning, not a test. And she even adds in there, not graduation. Now... (laughs) you know, feel free to disagree or whatever. But I know when I do my own reflection that it was not a test that got me pumped up about attending school. And I know for a fact, because I have asked my students that it was not a test that got them excited about coming to school either. They came to school for the joy of learning in my classroom and for seeing some of their friends. Okay. But A part of the learning in my classroom was them engaging with their friends. They didn't want to hear from me all class period, and I definitely didn't want to talk all class period. Watching them engage in this way allowed me to see my students experience joy, and that brought me joy. I was seeking to create a liberatory, joyful learning environment where my students knew they had a say in what and how they were learning. So. My advice to you is to identify your joys. Yes, I added an S. I'm making it plural in a little bootleg way, <laughs> but I want you to identify your joys and hold on to them, store them up so you have a reservoir to pull from when you are challenged and the tensions are rising or in the moments when you just wanna sit in joy because there is nothing wrong with that. The second lesson I have learned is that I need accountability to myself and to others. I need a safe place to share my thoughts and feelings and mistakes. Being accountable to self is important, but this life is done better in partnership. So being accountable to trusted others is equally important. First things first, however. Whether you are a classroom teacher, instructional coach, or school leader, I want you to pause for a moment and ask yourself how you are holding yourself accountable to you. What systems or checks and balances do you have in place so that you continue to trust yourself to do the things you say you will do? This may sound mysterious, maybe it does, but I can't tell you how many times I hear educators say that they don't start something because they don't trust themselves to finish. What? Mm -mm, we're not doing that today. Next, who else are you accountable to and why? Who is going to check in and check up on you? Who can you share your goals and dreams with and trust that they will encourage you to keep pushing? They will check in when they see you are making moves that are contrary to the steps needed to accomplish the goal. Who can you openly and honestly share your mistakes with? Because we all make mistakes. It's okay to make mistakes because it literally is impossible to live a mistake-free life, so just go ahead and remove the guilt from yourself. Like, no shame. The problem is not the fact that we make mistakes, The problem is when we don't learn from the mistakes. So what I realized was that sometimes I missed the full learning from a mistake because I was only halfway willing to admit the mistake to myself and like 0% willing to admit the mistake to anybody else. And look, I know how scary it is to admit to mistakes. I literally just shared about a mistake, misstep, whatever you want to call it, that I took in naming and designing one of the free resources that I offer on my website, one that you probably have seen or even downloaded But I just shared about that and how I corrected that error to the best of my ability during season three, episode 16, titled, Sorry, Beyonce, I Did Not Wake Up Like This. You should go and grab the newly revised, newly created version of this resource. It's called the Welcoming and Culturally Inclusive Classroom Roadmap. You can get it by going to customteachingsolutions.com forward slash the roadmap. The journey of correcting that mistake, though, involved me admitting to myself That i had made a mistake first then sharing that mistake with others in my accountability circle so that i could kind of figure out where i had made the misstep or some suggestions for correcting it and then admitting it to you i believe in transparency when it's going to help others to avoid the same misstep i'm telling you hand to heart that accountability is seriously a huge key to thriving in the messy middle You need someone who can see you and call you out and hold your hand and offer advice and share their own mistakes to be a sounding board, someone you can imagine and innovate with. So how have I found accountability partners? Great question. First, I do want to say that developing cultural competency and centering equity is connected to your personal and professional life. So I have different people in different phases of my life, different spaces of my life that are holding me accountable. There are people that enter and exit different spaces of accountability for various reasons after a certain time. And it's good because I never want to overtax someone, right? I don't want to count on one person for all the things. Just like I would certainly hope that no one counts on me for all the things. So I have people in my personal life and my professional life that hold me accountable on this equity journey. When I was a classroom teacher, for example, there were other teachers that I connected with and we vibed on fundamental ideas about how education should work, but we didn't always have the very same opinion about the exact strategies that we should be using in our classrooms to create the most equitable outcomes. And so that was a really interesting space because we could challenge each other in that, right? Like we would say, look, you need to show up fully in in our school, you need to show up fully in your classroom. So we can see, like, we need to do some trial and error here. Like, we need to test things out so that we can identify the gaps and start turning those into gateways for our learning and our growth. So we would test out different things in our classrooms and we would come back to our meetings and say, okay, how did that go? How did the students respond? We also really got comfortable with sharing space. And what I mean by that is that we would ask different people to come into our classroom and observe, not just each other, but we would ask other teachers. We would ask the principals to come into our classrooms because the truth of the matter is that you cannot see yourself teach. Even if you record yourself, right? Maybe you're thinking, Jocelyn, I'm a board certified teacher. Like I've recorded myself and I've seen it. Okay, that is absolutely wonderful. for real, congratulations. But when you are watching a recording of yourself, you are experiencing your teaching through a quote unquote knowing lens. An internal monologue is going on in your head and you are saying to yourself, oh yeah, I know I was thinking this and that's why I made that move. I know I was thinking this and that's why I responded this way to the student. As a classroom teacher, I realized that I needed an outside set of eyes and ears to be able to observe me and see exactly how I was moving in the learning space. If you are an instructional coach, I would encourage you to link up with other instructional coaches in your district. Where is your coach squad, right? Also known as a PLC. Or maybe you connect with other instructional coaches that you found on Instagram or through a coach's online community. When you look for a squad, you will find one. As a school leader, right? Come on, principals, assistant principals, district level specialists. I know you're listening. You need accountability as well. I don't often talk about this on the podcast, but maybe I should. I don't just coach teachers. I also coach instructional coaches and school leaders. And within those coaching pods, people hold each other accountable. So if you're looking to connect with other instructional coaches or school leaders, Send me a message and I'll let you know more about coaching opportunities. I'm actually starting a new leadership cohort in September. It is already full, but if you are looking to apply for the leadership cohort that starts in March, 2024, let me know. I would love to connect with you and talk to you about this opportunity. So my advice to you regarding accountability is to intentionally engage with people seeking to find an accountability partner or three. Find people who can hold you accountable in your personal life and your professional life because remember, this equity journey touches all aspects of our lives. It's not just something that we do professionally. We need to be living through an equity lens, not just working through an equity lens. Lesson number three, I realized that I needed a coach, someone who could help me intentionally, strategically, and purposefully Move forward. Someone who could help me navigate the tricky places, who could help me think through my words and say things in a way that people could hear my heart. Now, a coach is different from an accountability partner because an accountability partner is not likely an expert in the area in which you are seeking to grow. An accountability partner is someone that you are like shoulder to shoulder with, step to step with. They are on the journey in the same step as you. Whereas a coach is someone who who is an expert and they are several steps ahead of you on the journey. They have already done or been challenged with many of the things that you are going through now. They are someone who knows how to strategically ask the questions that will get you thinking about how to accomplish your goal. This is someone who can provide templates for completing a task more consistently and more effectively. This is a person who uses a critical eye to observe your behaviors, beliefs, and ways of being. As an example, one of my current coaches actually attended an in-person workshop that I facilitated and I totally loved it. I felt so supported by her. But after the workshop, she and I had a debrief and she was coaching me around my behaviors and my ways of being. Specifically, she mentioned how my body language was relaying a message that was in conflict to my verbal message. So there were times when I would be asking for feedback or where I was saying, like, let's have an open conversation, but my arms would be crossed or my legs would be crossed. She said that the good thing is that the people I was engaging with had been in several workshops with me throughout the year so they knew by experience that I was open. But especially when I am leading equity-focused workshops, I need to be verbally as well as physically open so that people feel safe and they can bravely show up and say the things that need to be said. Oh my gosh, that was a total game changer. And so I hope that those of you who have participated in in in-person and even virtual workshops with me have seen how intentional I am to make sure that my words and my body language are in alignment. One of the main reasons I am so passionate about coaching educators today is because I have seen firsthand how a coach can help to transform the experience that you have as a teacher, as an instructional coach, or as a school leader, as well as the experience the students that you impact are having as well. Transformation. Coaching can make all the difference. And that is literally what all of the educators that I've worked with this past year said about coaching with me. They were like, Jocelyn, it literally made all the difference. And that makes my heart so happy. Some of the ways that I supported teachers, instructional coaches, and school leaders this year through coaching were to help them build out a strategy for establishing equitable school or classroom norms, helping them to audit and revamp lesson plans, helping them to teach, coach, and lead through an equity lens helping them to create a plan for supporting students and teachers as they developed cultural competency. I helped them to review their discipline policies, to review or to create anti-racism policies, as well as helping them to audit the reading materials that are being used in the classroom. There are so many ways that a coach who is an expert in equity and culture can help you to transform the space in which you are teaching, coaching, or leading. So my advice to you, if you are a classroom teacher, find out if there are instructional coaches at your school. Seriously, I don't care if you are a new teacher or a veteran teacher. If there are instructional coaches, I would advise you to get on their schedule. Share your goals around cultural competency and equity and be open to observation and feedback. If you are an instructional coach yourself, I want you to think about what your purpose is being an instructional coach and how you are positioning yourself and sharing that purpose with the rest of the people at your school because maybe they think that you are only there to coach new teachers. And maybe it's not your fault right maybe at the beginning of the school year your principal introduced you and introduced you as someone who coaches new teachers if that is the case there is time to correct that i need you to create your purpose and position statement and give it to everyone so that they know how you are there to support them and if you are looking for a coach i am happy to coach you share my information with your principal so that we can get you all signed up for the different coaching programs that i offer If you are a principal listening, go ahead and grab some time on my calendar. Go to customteachingsolutions.com forward slash discovery call, and we can talk about building capacity and creating sustainable change at your school. In summary, thriving in the messy middle of your equity journey requires identifying and tapping into your joys, finding an accountability partner, and having a coach to guide you. I will end this episode the same way that I began it with the Brene Brown quote. The middle is messy, but it is also where all the magic happens, all the tension that creates goodness and learning. Let's make some magic. Remember to seek joy, affirm culture, and strive for liberation through learning every single day. I want to thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. Please share this podcast with a friend, then go rate this podcast on your favorite streaming platform, Apple, Google, Spotify, all the places so that other educators know that this is the podcast for them.